Welcome to Almost Here, Around the Corner of Future Technology Podcasts with Richard Jacobs. Future technologies poised to transform our lives for better or worse are the focus of this podcast. Almost Here means these technologies are now here and starting to be used, or just around the corner, from Bitcoin to artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more. Hi, this is Richard Jacobs with Future Tech Podcast. Uh, please excuse my raspy voice today. But I've got a great guest, uh, another person from Singularity University, Darlene Dam, and we're going to be talking about uh, some social innovation type projects she's working on. Welcome, Darlene. How you doing? Thank you. Yeah, thanks for coming. So, um, would you give listeners an idea of the projects that you're working on uh, in the realm of social innovation? What, what are you working on? Yeah, so um, I my role at Singularity University is I'm the Vice Chair of Global Grand Challenges and on our faculty side, which means that I help people understand how you can use exponential technologies to solve our biggest social problems and also what are some of the social problems that might be arising because of exponential technology. So we work with a lot of different people in companies, governments, uh, nonprofits, it, to understand this, and then we also um, mentor and help innovators who are trying to solve these problems succeed. Yeah, I don't think, first of all, I don't think people know what exponential thinking is, and um, maybe you can give them an overview of that and how that plays into what you do. Yeah, yeah, and that's a good question. So my background is from the nonprofit sector, and I came to Singularity University in 2011, and I didn't know what an exponential technology was. Um, but so uh, the way that I think about it is that um, in our uh, world, you know, most of us have, have, have heard of um, Moore's Law and computer chips, and basically mm -hmm. Gordon Moore realized that with computer chips, there's this pattern where about every 18 months, the computer chip became more and more sophisticated. So it could do more and more and more things while its price was, was being cut in half. And so when you think about this, anything that has a computer chip in it, it means that over time, it's going to become more and more and more powerful and do more and more things while um, it becomes less expensive. And so we've seen this with computers. We've seen this um, with cell phones. And when you really start digging into, like, why does this happen? Why does Moore's Law exist? Why do we have these exponential trends? It actually goes back to um, matter and how matter carries information and how um, in nature it's expressed in different things such as fractals, which are exponential in nature. So anything that um, is information-based, such as, as computer chips, will tend to follow this exponential pattern. And um, that has huge implications for it, given right now because we're basically turning everything around us into information. Okay, so because all of uh, humanity's technologies are heavily information-based, um, they all yeah, seem to be going yeah. in an exponential direction is what you're saying. Yeah, so the, the whole uh, sort of role of the computer chip is to turn other stuff into digital information, right? So... Um, you know, on our, our smartphones now, you have cameras, you have um, 
video recording equipment, you have GPS, you have books, you have music. So all of that stuff is now information. It used to be like hard separate uh, products in our world. But once we turn those things into information using computer chips, um, it, it became software. Right, so and, and it seems like the big goal in the world right now is we're trying to turn everything we can into data, into software. Um, you know, if it, initially it, it was our different products and services, but now we're actually turning our DNA, our bodies, um, into software, into data. And and once we turn stuff into to software, data, information, it'll follow this exponential trend. So, what are some of the biggest social problems that you want these uh, global challenges to to attack? Yeah, yeah. Well, so in terms of technology, I think some of the first things that come to mind are uh, issues like education or access to information, right? Because you, we've seen the field of online education emerge in um, over the last decade. But so we, we've, we've sort of converted education and learning We've, we've digitized it. We've created online education. We're able to now reach billions of people. Um, anyone who has an internet connection can now take like a free course from MIT or Stanford, right? So we've digitized access to education. But what's interesting to me is we're starting to see these trends happen in areas like food and water, where you might necessarily not necessarily think it's possible. Um, so, um, for example, there's uh, um, in the area of food, um, we're creating lots of things like um, vertical farms that are using sensors and robotics and data to more efficiently grow food. There's like a lot of farmers now manage their herds of cattle from their smartphones because there's chips on cows. Um, mm. People are using artificial intelligence and sensors to better um, sort food and reduce food waste or d detect if food is uh, contaminated or fake. Um, there's data from satellites now that are making farming more efficient. So that, that as we add, we, digit, we start to digitize things like our food production um, or if there's municipalities in Florida that are using artificial intelligence to manage their water supplies and have saved a lot of energy. And I think over, I want to say over a million dollars just from using AI to better predict when they need to be uh, releasing more or less water. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. And so it seems like there's a credo at, at Singularity University where they want you to think about a problem that will positively affect a billion people in a certain time frame. Is that right? Is that the, the model? Yeah, that's our, our big goal is can you positively affect a billion people within 10 years? Wow. Yeah. How do you yeah. get people Which, to think in that way about those problems? How does someone know that they're on the right track to, to thinking about directing their energies to a problem that would affect people on that scale? Any recommendations? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So um, there's some sets of problems that clearly like already affect a billion people, um, um, like infectious diseases, for example, um, malnutrition, lack of access to energy, lack of access to the internet. Um, so that there are 
I mean, there's certain social problems that do affect that many people already, right? So you can take one of those problems and tackle it from that point. In your position, I mean, I would think that you get to see a lot of proposals um, and actual problems that are, you know, people are working on. So what are some of the most interesting ones you've seen, you know, personally that uh, I don't know if you're allowed to disclose, but of the ones you are. Yeah, Yeah. so we have, um, we have, uh, people and teams that come to the university, to e- they either have a problem that they want to solve and they're trying to better understand the technology, or they're they're working on something and they might be an existing company, they might be a startup, and then we we help them further. Um, over the last few years, like some of the the startups that have been created here, um, there's one that's using hyperspectral imaging to look at the safety of um, different types of meat and if it's been contaminated, if it's still safe um, in the food area. There's another called um, Iris AI that is using artificial intelligence to help uh, companies better do scientific research. And they were motivated to start on this problem to solve different diseases. Um, we have another, yeah, yeah, another group that a couple years ago created software that uh, would allow blind or visually impaired people to use their cell phones to take photos of what's around them and have it described back to them. Um, there's, yeah, yeah, when I came here in 2011, we started a project called the MatterNet, which became a company and came up with the idea of using drones to deliver medicine in the developing world, which um, then became a whole industry. Um, There's different groups that are working on artificial meat, so growing meat from stem cells so that you don't have to slaughter animals, as well as have all the environmental damage from livestock. There's a group... I think that's uh, what Modern Meadows, right? Yeah, there's Modern Meadows, and um, we also have one of our faculty uh, who's working on that in the Netherlands. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. Um, another, of, you know, of the projects, like, can, we, can we go into details about one of them? You know, let's talk about maybe the one uh, where they're working to cure disease using artificial intelligence. You know, what's a few details of that project and how are they doing it? Yeah, yeah. So, um they what they were they they realized that there's a lot of information out there on the internet on white papers um that people just might not be using one because you know companies or doctors either don't have time to be keeping up with all of the research or sometimes they might not be looking in the right places because it's in a different discipline or uh is using different sort of keywords that they would normally use in their profession. So they thought, okay, so can they create uh, an artificial intelligence to basically read all of these documents and then pull out the essential information um, to to contribute to research? Um, but the first thing they had to do was actually train an AI and and work with with sources of information out there uh, to to teach it. So what they started doing was 
working with transcripts of TED Talks and then bringing on um, volunteers that would help train the AI. So the AI would, would scan um, the text and then it would pull different information uh, from that text that it thought was, if it, it was important or not. And then the people would tell it, yes, you did a good job or you didn't do a good job. So that's how they started initially training their AI. The AI would look for what a particular disease and try to find all the sources of information about it, all the papers, and, and kind of like review everything all in one place to have a better understanding of a given condition. Yeah, 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 yeah. And this is one of our startups, so I'm not involved in it every day, so I can't, I, I'm not able to tell you exactly how it all works, but I, I have more of a high level understanding of what it does. Yeah, well, for people that are curious, what, what's the name of the startup? And, you know, if they want to delve into that, how could they find more information? Yeah, it's called Iris AI, I-R-I-S um, AI. What other projects in particular have a fascination for you that you want to talk about? Um, so I'm really interested in some of the developments in uh, space, actually, like, we prob most of us probably don't think of as space as a global grand challenge. We might think of it more as science fiction or or exploration, but uh, satellites are playing a really important role in our world, like not just because of communication, but because they now have cameras on them and, and sensors that can collect all sorts of data. So they're part becoming part of the Internet of Things, right? And... Um, as we create self-driving cars and bring out more drones and have, you know, boats that are navigating by themselves and, you know, we're moving into this sort of all of those devices, including those in space, are all connected together and gathering data. Um, so that's sort of like one level of why, why space and satellites are important. They're like now integrating with our, our daily life a lot. But... We also have people that are really now working on, um, we have a company here called Made in Space that has put the first 3D printer on the space station. So we're getting to this place where we can start manufacturing in space. We can start settling on the moon, uh, Mars. People are mining asteroids. So while that seems like science fiction, it's actually happening now, right? And it, who's going to be part of this economy, right, is it? It, who's who's going to own all of these um, this technology in space? So to me, that's a huge actually social issue because in ten or fifteen years from now, it's going to have a big impact on our our, our human economy here on Earth and affects all of us. Yeah, it's amazing. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So in your position. Um, do you get a flood of entries? Uh, is it a very strict vetting process, or is it, uh, you know, yeah, what's it like yeah. to uh, to see these projects, and what do you look for? What does the, the team look for? So we actually we have a lot of different programs. Um, during the summer, we have uh, this ten week program called the Global Solutions Program, and people apply to that program and come here and. Most of them have a problem, a social problem in mind they want to solve, and then they learn for a month about all of the different technologies, you know, artificial intelligence, nanotechnology, um, 3D printing, and more. And then they come up with solutions and they launch uh, companies or nonprofits. So that's like our most well-known program, and it's also fully funded. So that one's really competitive. 
uh, to get into. Um, but we also have other programs like you can. We have an 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 accelerator where if you're an established startup, you can apply to that. And then we have um, one week programs if you just want to come here and learn about all the technology. And then we have a lot of conferences and summits that are happening all over the world, like um, as well as sort of customized programs for. Uh, either a company might want one. Sometimes we do them for groups like the United Nations or or nonprofits. There's the summer program. Um, maybe a few more details about it, and then what's the the Global Grand Challenge program? Yeah, yeah. So the the summer program is the Global Solutions program, and um, it's it, it's basically you come here if you have a, a social problem that you want to solve and you want to use exponential technology, but you don't know exactly how to solve it yet. And there's 80 people that come, and they uh, – so the first part of the program is, is you're learning. It's, you know, you're sitting there hearing lectures, doing activities. And then the second part of the program, you form teams with your classmates and then actually try to solve one of these problems um, using exponential technologies. Oh, okay. So – and when the program happens, what, in the summer every year? Yeah, so it runs like mid-June through mid-August. And this summer oh. we're actually experimenting with a theme, so the theme is going to be climate change. And who is the program open to? Is it just students? Is there an age requirement? No. Or, uh... Yeah, so it's open to um, it really it, entrepreneur, people who want to start a company or nonprofit. So it's entrepreneurs, technologists. Uh, social entrepreneurs, uh, humanitarians, um, but you, but you come because you you want to create a new entity. Um, so the age range we have a limit of 21 just for legal reasons as the youngest, but we've had people up through their 60s uh, come to the program. Probably average age is around 30, uh, 37 or so, 35. Oh wow! So it's older, and is it a do, do people pay to do the program, or is it free, or how does it work? So this, yeah. So this program right now, we actually have uh, funding from Google to pay for scholarships, and then we also have uh, we have our our alumni and our communities and partners around the world uh, that will run. We call them global impact challenges, where they will invite people from their country to come and, and uh, share their ideas and possibly pitch their solutions um, on a stage. And the prize for the, the, the winning, winner of that is, is, is you get to actually come to the program. Um, but this program, we really want people from all over the world. We have, you know, people coming from, uh, from Myanmar, from East Africa, uh, just we really want as diverse a group as possible to come and uh, people who really understand the social challenges. It, maybe they've worked on them in their country or experienced it them themselves. So everyone comes physically and they'll be, what, housed at a location and work on projects yeah. for a series of weeks in the, in the summer? Yep, yep. So we're located at uh, Moffat Field uh, in NASA Ames in the Silicon Valley. So it's an old Air Force base that is no longer used. So we have housing here. We have a classroom here. And um, everyone, they live in uh, their simple dormitories. And then there's a classroom where we also have uh, a caterer that serves food. 
it's a, it's a really huh. intense ten weeks. Yeah. What What's the ratio of applicants to accepted uh, people in the program lately? Um. So last year we um we think we were more competitive than Harvard or Stanford to get in. So it's it is really hard to get in to it. Um, I don't actually know the final uh, the percentages because we have people applying online to come in, and then we also have all of these competitions around the world where there's um, other you know each country has its own load of people that are applying to try to come to. So depending how you count that. So the program is free because it's sponsored by Google and uh, so okay. And the local partners, yeah. And how many people can participate in the program at once? That's um, 80. I think 80, we're going to try to get 90 in the summer, but, but it's about 80 to 90. Wow. Yeah. Okay. And then what are, what are some of the other initiatives? You said there's challenges all around the world. What do those look like? What's the structure yeah, of them? Yeah, yeah. So it, initially those challenges were set up to help us select the participants to come to the Global Solutions Program during the summer. But, you know, as we grow, we're only about nine years old. So as more and more people come to our programs and we have more alumni and more partners around the world, um, hopefully they'll become sort of their own little uh, ecosystems that have, uh, that start to do more of their own um, initiatives over time like we we now have uh campuses in uh the Netherlands and New Zealand that opened just last year so we're we're hoping to to scale around the world and hopefully create more you know communities that are that are you know understand exponential technology and are using them to do good in the world any other uh programs or challenges that that you want to spotlight you know we have the summer program we've got the uh the conversations around the world, you know, what other uh, programs do you sponsor? Yeah, yeah. So those are um, programs that that have, you know, scholarships attached to them. There's other programs where people will come here, like our executive program. Those are usually companies sending their employees or, or, or entrepreneurs or sometimes government officials that come, and they pay for that program themselves to attend. Um, we also do, we try, you know, we have a group um, of partners uh, that are nonprofits and uh, different entities within the United Nations that we call our impact partners. And those, um, they come to different events throughout the year at Singularity University, so they're, they're learning uh, from us. But we also have uh, partnerships with them. So. For example, if we have a team that comes out of the Global Solution Program that needs to test their innovation on the ground, um, they might host that. So there was a group called uh, Viva Rio in Brazil that hosted a group of uh, a group of innovators who were working on using artificial intelligence to detect the outbreak of, of dengue by, you know, combining weather patterns and other different data that would affect mosquitoes. So they hosted them. Uh, in Rio to to test out their application, so that we're trying to create collaborations between the nonprofits, the startups with new technologies, and uh, sometimes our corporate partners get involved uh, in those also. So did all of this grow out of the X Prize with, with Peter Diamandis? So how did all these programs spawn? And 
Yeah, so so Peter's uh Peter Diamandis and Ray Kurzweil founded Singularity University together. And mm. Peter also founded the X Prize, but it's a different organization than Singularity University. So he he's he's founded I think about sixteen different companies or organizations mm. over his lifetime. Yeah, I just wondered if it grew out of this, these these grand challenges and the ideas to do it grew out of the X Prize and you know, since Peter founded both I would think yeah. that I guess that same thinking carried over to here, you know. Yeah, yeah. The so the global grand challenges are um they're just a way we have of um sort of measuring not or uh, like they're they're a way of of trying to so our global grand challenges are food, water, shelter, energy, the environment, um disaster resilience, prosperity. So they're a way of creating categories in the world of problems to be solved, but they align with, um, you know, like the sustainable development goals. Uh, there's a lot of different sort of major players in the social sector who who have these different ways of, of defining problems in our world. But um, they affect each other, right? So if you're solving, yeah, if you're solving malnutrition, you know you're going to improve students' performance in, in schools, right? So that they're they're just a way of uh, for us to sort of organize our work and and measure if we're making progress. But um, there uh, there's a lot of different overlap between them and between. And we want to be aligned also with other groups in the world that are trying to solve these problems. Yeah, it makes sense. It makes sense. All right. So yeah, uh, for the last question for now. Um, can you just give a quick summary of some of the challenges and initiatives that people can, you know, uh, choose to participate in or try to participate in, and where is the best way for them to um, to put their applications in? So one of the things that I think like anyone can do is to just follow our uh, website called Singularity Hub, because right there we're print we're we're publishing a lot of different articles and blogs about new technologies that are coming out and their applications for solving uh, social challenges. So that's like a free and really easy way to just learn a ton. Um, Great. And then, yeah, yeah. And then we've we've closed applications for our program this summer, but I would check in uh, again probably maybe January next year when the next set of applications might open for that. There's also, yeah, on our website itself, you can see all of our conferences that are happening around the world. Well, that's great, darling. I I really appreciate you taking the time. And it's, it's, you know, not only do you guys um, innovate, but you're providing a platform for people to do the same and to inspire people from all around the world. So that's, that's really fantastic. I appreciate it. Yes, yes, yeah. And that's really the magic of the exponential technologies. Like, because they're going down in cost so fast, like anyone in the world, you know, there's free open source artificial intelligence websites can take this technology and use it to solve a problem that they care about. So, um, you know, we're trying to help the world use the technologies to do that. But the real reality is we live in a world now where, um, you know, anyone with an Internet connection can, like, start working on solving these problems. Yeah, very true. Okay, well, again, thanks for coming, and I really appreciate your time. It's been uh, been very, very interesting. Yeah, thank you. 
You've been listening to Almost Here, Around the Corner Future Technology Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Subscribe to this podcast, post a review, to discover more future technologies that are poised to transform our lives for better or worse, such as Bitcoin, artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more.